At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Uh, what I want to do today, uh, on last Wednesday, we looked at this idea of bringing people to Christ in terms of where does it begin, and it begins with having a relationship with the people that we are witnessing to. The person who has no relationship with God, with Christ, is a person who is spiritually dead. How do we relate to the person who is spiritually dead? Because all of us were once spiritually dead ourselves. And so it said, we said that we have to begin by having a relationship that that individual knows that we love them, that we care about them. And then after we express that love and that care, we do not beat them down. We do not act like that we're better than, but that we relate to them where they are. We meet them where they are. Then we said that we need to share with them our story. Share with them what God has done for you. Help them to understand that you have not always been a Christian, you haven't always been saved, that there was a time that in your life you did not have a personal relationship with God in Christ. But now you can rejoice by saying that you have been born again, not of the water, but of the Spirit and that now you have this wonderful and fresh and vibrant relationship with God in Christ. But after you share with them your story, you need to share with them the gospel, the euangelion, the good news. You need to share with them the word of God. Now, today I'm gonna lead you through what is commonly known as the Roman road to salvation. And in the New Testament records, in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, there are several scriptures that you could use to lead a person into a saving relationship with Christ. It is not the only pericope, it's not the only passage of scripture, it's not the only verses in the Bible that you could use to help a person to understand how to come into a saving relationship with Christ. But what is good about the Roman road of salvation is that it's in one book of the Bible, it's concise, and it's easy and clear to be able to take these scriptures and to help one to understand where all of us have been, where God wants us to be, and how we can come into a saving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. We gave you uh, one of these bookmarkers uh, several years ago, and we're gonna give it to you again in about two weeks. We're gonna give it to you again. It says, invest and invite. Invest and invite. And on the front side, it says, invest. Time in prayer, time in people. If you wanna bring someone to Christ, you must be willing to pray for the person that you're witnessing to, amen? So invest time in prayer, and then invest time in people. In order to lead a person to Christ, you must be willing to spend time with them. And then you're going to invite. Invest, and then what? Invite. 
Now, what are you going to invite them to? Invite them to experience your story. I'll go back again. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. So invite them to experience your story. Then invite them to experience God's grace. And that's where you're going to share with them the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, invite, invite them to experience our church. You want them to experience your story, what God has done for you. You want them to experience the grace of God, so you're going to share with them the gospel. And then you're going to invite them to experience our church. Because every saved person needs a church home. And so you're going to seek to bring that person to Christ, and you're going to seek to bring them into the Canaan church. Now, on the back side of this bookmarker, we have the plan of salvation. And the plan of salvation that you'll see on the back side, all of the scriptures are found in the book of Romans. What's wonderful about this bookmarker is that it will fit comfortably in your Bible. Amen. And you ought to keep it right there in your Bible so you can refer to it over and over again. Study these scriptures. Get these scriptures down in your heart so that when the time and opportunity comes for you to lead the person to Christ, you can turn to those scriptures and be able to share with them. And even if you have the bookmarker in your hand as you do so, there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. So I'm going to lead you through these scriptures on the back today, and then you can take notes, and then that'll help you in the future as you share with people the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have this, I see some of y'all have it in your hands now when I gave it out before. Wonderful. But if you don't have it, just hold on because you're going to have it again in about two weeks. Amen. All right. Well, if you'll first turn to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and in your bookmark it says verses 20 and 21, but I'm going to actually start reading at verse 18, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The Word of God says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became fruitful in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the beginning of the road to salvation is we have to help people to understand how we have been separated from God because of choices that we have made, that we have allowed ourselves to become seduced by the world. In Ephesians, Paul talks about it as the spirit of the age. That we have been, we have allowed the demonic, we have allowed the system of the world to separate us from our God and our Christ. 
that God is real. God is not the figmentation of anybody's imagination. God is real. God has made himself known to the world. The person who has never donned a church sanctuary cannot look at the world in which we live and just think that this world just happened to come into existence. You can't see a sunrise and a sunset. You cannot look at the stars at night. You can't look at the changing of the seasons throughout the year. You can't look at a Grand Canyon. You can't look at a Niagara Fall. You cannot look at the world and just think this is a happenstance world. When you look at the order of the universe, one has to come to the conclusion that there's got to be a God somewhere. When you look at your own life and look at all the various systems in your body, you have to say somebody had to put some thought in putting me together. So God has manifested himself in the world that he has created, even in human life. But the problem is that we have chosen to ignore God. We've chosen to give God a deaf ear. And because of that, then we have found found ourselves separated from God. We have found ourselves lost. We found ourselves uh, unsaved and living a life that is displeasing to God because we have allowed ourselves to be seduced by the world. The Bible says that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So we help people understand that God is real and that God who is real, he's the God who wants us to come into a saving relationship because without him, we are destined to end up being eternally separated from God. The problem is that we have allowed the demonic to uh, trick us, to fool us into thinking that there is no God or that we do not need God in our lives. Now, let's turn, stay in the Romans, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you look at Romans chapter 3, Paul is addressing both Jews and Gentiles. And Paul says that Jews and Gentiles have both struggled with the issue of sin, which is to say that everybody has struggled with the issue of sin. So he came to the conclusion that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is a wonderful point and opportunity as you are sharing the plan of salvation is to help the person that you are talking to about Jesus Christ to understand that you recognize in your own life your own sins, your own shortcomings, your own proclivities, that there has been a dark side in your own life and that you have not always done those things that honor God and please God. And even now, help them to understand that you're not perfect now, that you're just a sinner saved by grace. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah says, all ye like sheep have gone astray. 
And sin means to rebel against God. Sin means to disobey God. Sin means to transgress the laws of God. Sin means that we do those things that are not pleasing in God's sight. That all of us have come short of his glory. But then let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The word of God reads like this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see where we're going? We're in the book of Romans. We're going to stay in the book of Romans all the way through this plan. Chapter 1, Paul says, understand that we must help one another recognize the fact that God is real. And the God who is real has created us in his image and in his likeness for his glory and for his honor. But the problem is that we have turned a deaf ear to God. We have ignored God. We have shunned God because we allowed the system of the world, the spirit of the age, to deceive us. We allowed the demonic to get us off on the wrong path. Then we went to Romans chapter 3. The conclusion is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Again, what is sin? It's disobedience. Sin is rebellion. Sin is being twisted in our character. Sin is transgressing the law of God. It is not that some have fallen short, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But now we come to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, I think we ought to give God some praise right now. Yeah, he hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And because he loves the sinner, that means God did not give up on you nor I. That God kept reaching out to us. That God still wants the best for us. You and I are not saved today because we loved God. We're saved because God loves us. John in his epistle says herein is love not that we first loved him but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins that is to be the covering for our sins Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong aren't you glad about that that God God loves you. So that's what you want to share with the person that you're witnessing to. You want them to know, yeah, you, you and I, we both have sinned. We both have fallen short of the glory of God. But you want that man to know. You want that, that sister to know that God loves you. The reason I'm witnessing to you is God has set it up so for me to come share with you this good news because it's really not me talking to 
you is God speaking to you through me. God is expressing his love to you right now through me. And God expressed his love to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to guess whether God loves you. You know God loves you because he didn't just declare it, but he demonstrated it. He gave the very best that he had. He gave his only begotten son. Yeah, Jesus Christ died on a cross, laid down his life. He died the death that we deserve to die. He paid our price. He bore our burdens. He took our transgressions. He did not die on the cross for sins that he had committed. Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, says, talking about Jesus, he says he made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you can tell that person, listen, when did he love us? He loved us when we wouldn't go to church. Loved us when we didn't have a prayer in our heart. Loved us when we didn't have a praise on our lips. Loved us when we were a, loaded, a low down dirty shame. Loved us when we were lower than a worm. Loved us when we thought we were big enough and bad enough to do whatever we wanted to do. Loved us and we were dirty. Loved us and we were like the wretch of the earth. Loved us when we wasn't fit to live and too honored it to die. He loved us when we would not love ourselves. So you want the person to understand God loves you. Amen. All right. Now let's go a little farther. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We're still in the book of Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are y'all following this? All right. Now, again, Romans chapter 1 makes us aware that God is real and that we have offended God because we turned a death ear to him. Romans chapter 3 helps us to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5 underscores the fact that God has loved us when we didn't love him and when we would not love ourselves. That God loves us. Now in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. Yes, sin is going to pay. It's going to pay. Oh yeah, sin is going to pay. But what it's going to pay is going to be death. Yeah, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Underscore the fact, the gift of God. But the gift of God. Yes, salvation is a gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift. The person that you're witnessing to, you want that man, that woman to understand, you can't pay for your salvation. 
you can't earn your salvation. You're going about doing charitable deeds, doing nice things for people is not going to earn you salvation. Yeah, some people say, well, I can't imagine how God would send somebody to hell who's been a good person. Good people go to hell. Yeah, good people go to hell because you ain't going to be good enough to earn salvation. Yeah, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you help people understand God's not sending anybody to hell. No, I did a, a three or four part series one time, Sister Ellis, on hell. One of the sermons was entitled, What in Hell Do You Want? Yeah, what in hell do you want? One of them was entitled, Go to Hell. What in hell do you want? Um, it was about three or four. Yeah, maybe I need to come back and do the hell series. <laughs> I did it, I did it in a church in Texas. They said the radio guy said smoke was coming from the building. Said, go hear this preacher from Louisville, Kentucky. He's talking about hell all week. Smoke's coming from the building. Yeah. 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 God ain't sending nobody to hell. It's a choice that you make. John 3:16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But keep on reading. And it says, and this is the condemnation. The men love darkness rather than light. Yeah. People who end up being eternally separated from God are going to be in that position because of a choice that they made. They chose to reject Jesus Christ. They chose to keep giving God a death ear. And if you die in that state, you will be eternally separated from God. But salvation is a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Because we're not saved by goodness, we're saved by grace. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a difference between eternal life and existing eternally. Because everybody's going to, to live beyond the grave. Let me say it again. Everybody is going to live beyond the grave. The question is where? Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? And, and, and hell is being eternally separated from God. Hell ain't like going to jail 11, 29, 11 months and 29 days. That ain't hell. You don't go to hell and get paroled out. It is eternally separated from God. And when the Bible says weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's going to be much worse than that. That is metaphorical, symbolic language to tell you about how painful it's going to be, but it's going to be worse than that. Yeah, it's going to be worse than that.
And then when the Bible talks about the joys of heaven, heaven's going to be better than what you read in the Bible. It's going to be better. Eternal life, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, it's a gift. It's by grace, is eternal life. Now that's what God gives us in Christ. He gives us eternal life. That means living eternally in the presence of God. Think about that. The psalmist says, talking about prayer and God, the psalmist says, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And think about eternally being in that position. Think about being in a place where every day is going to be Sunday and sweet Sabbath will have no end, where the perfect anthems are never broken, where the wicked cease from troubling, where the weary shall be at rest. Think about being in a city of no more, no more pain, no more problems, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more weary days, no more hills to climb, no more valleys to go through, no more struggle, no more trials, no more trouble, no more temptations, no more attack from the demonic. You don't need a light there in the city because Jesus is the light of the city. Yeah. That, that's salvation eternally in the presence of God. Jesus Christ said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. In time, in time, God blesses you with the abundant life. But on the other side of the Jordan, that's eternal life in the company of God. Now, let's stay in Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's look at verses uh, 9 and 10. But I tell you what, uh, let's start at verse 8. Romans chapter 10, we'll start at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith with which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I don't combine Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I went on and read verse 13, didn't I? Okay, I better separate them so you stay with me. All right. But verse 9 and 10 is speaking about the confession the confession. So then you're going to help the person who is unsaved to understand what it means to confess their hope in Jesus Christ. 
right? To confess their hope in Jesus Christ. In other words, you said to this man, to this woman, this brother, sister, you said to them, now all of us have sinned. We've come short of the glory of God, but we're going to believe God for what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Because you've shared with them that God, what? He loves you. And where is his love seen? It is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross for you. He died that you could be forgiven of your sins and brought into a saving relationship with God in Christ. And so when you confess your hope in Christ, when you believe what God has done for you in Christ, salvation comes into your life. So confession has to do with I am believing in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. As a person who is unsaved, I'm going to confess to God and say, Lord, I confess that I have sinned, that I have come short of your glory. I've done those things, God, that are not pleasing in your sight. I'm asking God that you would forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking that Jesus Christ would come into my heart and become my personal Lord and Savior. Do you understand what I just said? Those of you who are sharing with me virtually, I pray that you are grasping this because God is going to help you to take this Roman road of salvation and lead a man, lead a woman, lead a brother, sister into a saving relationship with Christ. Does everybody understand what pastor means by confession? On one hand, we're confessing that we have what? Sin comes short of the glory of God. But then we're not stopping there, are we? We're confessing our hope in Jesus Christ as our what? Personal Lord and Savior. We're believing that God did what he did through Christ so I could be saved. And that in believing, in believing, listen carefully, in believing in who? Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I can now be redeemed, I can be, I can be forgiven, I can be reconciled in my relationship with God. Now this is why we are Jesus-only people. Because we're not confessing hope in Allah, we're not confessing hope in Buddha, we're not confessing hope in Zoroastra or anybody else. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Salvation can be found in one person and one person alone, and that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So I don't believe that salvation can be found in any other person other than Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, we're told there's only one name given among men whereby men might be saved, save the name of Jesus. So we must confess hope in Jesus and Jesus alone.
Are y'all with me? So you want to help lead the person in making that personal confession. You can't force them. If they're not ready to make that confession, keep praying for them. Don't try to force them to do it because that's a confession that they have to be willing to make themselves because it's got to come from their heart. They got to believe Jesus for themselves and they got to accept him as their personal Lord and Savior for what? Themselves. You can't do it for them. They got to do that themselves. Amen. God be praised. But then verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, that's another place for us to take about 10 seconds and give God some praise. And you may be saying, well, Pastor, why are we pausing the praise there? We're pausing the praise because you ought to have a whoever praise. You missed it. You missed it. Okay, I'm going to be kind. Let me talk to the virtual people because y'all caught it. Every saved person ought to have a whoever praise because you in that whoever crowd. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Break it down, Pastor, like a fraction. Okay, I don't mind doing it. That means you can't get so far down that God can't bring you up. Whoever. That means you can't get so far out that God can't reel you in. That means whoever. That means you can't get so dirty that God can't clean you up. That means whoever. That means it don't matter how raggedy your past has been. Whoever. That means it don't matter what other folk know about you. Whoever. That means in, when other folk write you off, God can still write you in. Whoever. That means when other folks throw you away because they say you ain't nothing but some trash. That means that God says, well, that's what I want. I like trash. Because Jesus says, I ain't nothing but a junk man. I go in the alleys and I get the stuff that other folks throw away. Because what other folks say don't count. God says, wait till I get my hands on them. Wait till I clean them up. Wait till I fix her up. I'll take a prostitute and let her sing you under the flow in church. I'll take a crackhead. I'll take a homemonger. I'll save him and put him in a pulpit and let him teach that word until you'll be running laps around the church. Whoever, <laughs> be careful who you say ain't going to go nowhere. Be careful who you say ain't going to never be nothing because you don't know they might end up in the whoever crowd. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If I call on him at 10, he'll save me. If I call on him at 30, he'll save me. But if I'm in the late group and I don't call on him until I'm 70, he'll still save me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. Sister Heard, ain't that good news? That's good news. Are y'all getting this? All right. Now we got one more. Look at chapter 11, verse uh, 36. Chapter 11, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So the last thing you're going to share with that person is that everything that God has done that God is doing and that God's going to ever do in your life, he's doing it for his glory. That's why God did it. <laughs> he did it for his glory. Because you were created in the image and likeness of God. That's what you want the person to know. That you and I, we were created in the image and likeness of God. And we were created for no other purpose than to give God glory. The Omega Dei was stamped upon our souls. That image was stained. Ah, but God was able to clean up the stain. I've got beautiful hardwood floors, Sister Malone, in my house. Beautiful, beautiful. When I bought the house, Sister Malone, my house is an old house. It's old. It's old, but it's got character. But it's old. And the people that had it before, God bless Sandra and I with it, they, they, they let the hardwood floors go. They didn't take care of them. So they got messed up. They were stained badly. The hardwood floors were supposed to be a beautiful brown color, shining, very beautiful, but they were just as black as tar. So the man came in, looked at the floors, he said, you want to put carpet over this? I said, no, sir. I said, my wife, she, she, she likes hardwood floors. And he told me, Brother Mills, he said, well, he said, Dr. Malone, he says, they're stained awful bad. He said, but we can fix it. He said, but we're going to have to take it all the way back down to the original surface of the wood. Going to have to strip it. He said, now it's going to cost you. But if you want it cleaned up, we can do it. And he, he, said, he said, what color do you want it stained? We told him. They stripped it all the way back to its original state. And today is just as pretty as it wants to be, but it was costly. God looks at you and I and says, oh, you've been stained real bad. 
But you can be fixed. Now it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me greatly. But God says I'm willing to pay the price. The hymn writer said Jesus paid it all. All to him I own. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. And then he brought us back. To be saved means that that image, the Omega Dei, has been cleaned up. And now God has brought us back to the place where he's always wanted us to be. And he does it solely for his glory. So the last thing you're helping the person who you lead to Christ to understand is now that you're saved, you are a glory carrier. And everywhere you go, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Somebody said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. They said, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. When it got good to them, they said, Jesus gave it to me, and I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Now, I just took the book of Romans and led you through how to share the plan of salvation to any man, any woman, unchurched or unsaved. You can take that one book of the Bible, Romans, and lead a person into a saving relationship to Christ. Did you get it? All right. Now, that's not the only passage of Scripture that you can use. There are many other Scriptures, many other Scriptures in the Bible that you can use to lead a person to Christ. But what I like about this, these Scriptures in Roman is you can just stay in one book and lead them all the way through into a saving relationship with Christ. Again, if you have misplaced this wonderful insightful, inspirational bookmarker. Pastor's gonna make sure that you get another one in about two weeks. Put it in your Bible. Read it, study it, pray over it. Pray for the person that you're gonna share Christ with. And then let it become a reminder every day of your life that God has saved me to help save somebody else. Those of you who have shared with me virtually, I pray that your life was blessed tremendously through this study. Those of you who are members of the Canaan Church who are sharing with us virtually, if you have misplaced this bookmarker, just let us know the church. We will send you one. And if you are not a member of our church, but you say, Pastor Malone, I was so blessed by this study and what's on this bookmark on both sides. Can I get one? You just uh, call our church. Call us at Canaan Christian Church at, at 502-459-5578. Ask to speak with Cassie Ingle King, and you give us your address, and we will send this to you, or you can email us at the church at our email address and we will send this to you because we are a kingdom, uh, 
oriented church, our, commit, our commitment is to the kingdom of God, and we'll be glad to share that with you as well. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.